Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The last couple of decades have seen the rise of mental health courts. The first one in the United States was in Broward County, Florida, and Judge Ginger Lerner Wren presides over this court. She has graciously given us some time to take a look at this invaluable blending of tools and approaches to mental health problems in our community. Judge, thank you so much for giving us your time. Sure, it's my pleasure, Dr. Strauss. Let's begin with a few definitions. What is the difference between you and the other courts, and how many courts are there? How many mental health courts are there in the United States? There's between three and 400 mental health courts in the United States and is a global model. In 2013, Broward's Mental Health Court, for example, was honored by the Hill Foundation that's at The Hague in the Netherlands. Broward's Mental Health Court came in as the top three finalists in the world. I think it's important to note, first of all, a few things. Broward was the pioneer, very first mental health court in the United States. And this is not, quite frankly, a new innovation. Broward's mental health court next month actually is turning 18 years old. And the court's history, I think, is well known, actually. It is a part-time court. It was really developed back in 1997 out of a urgent need to try to find local solutions to the criminalization of individuals coming into our local jail system in Broward County, Florida. And obviously it has grown and grown and grown. I would assume you're very busy. How busy are you? The mental health court, I actually have two courts. I am a county court judge in a criminal division. I have a regular criminal county division, like any other judge, and the mental health court was formally established as a subdivision of my criminal division. We see, on average, a 1,000 individuals in any given year coming through the mental health court. What is your job? Is your job to restore competency so people can go to trial? The mental health court is a human rights strategy. It was established uniquely established, quite frankly, I think simply because I came into the judiciary as a new judge at the time when our community was looking for solutions, and I am a former PAMI attorney. That is a disability rights network attorney that is basically charged with the enforcement of federal law for the protection of individuals with mental illnesses. So that is a rather unique professional and legal civil rights background that I just happened to come into at the time when our when a community was really looking for change. If someone is arrested and there is the there is the question of a mental health issue, how is it do they end up in your court as opposed to the other courts? Well, we understood that Broward County was really just a microcosm of all the problems and crises in the United States because of underfunded mental health systems, fragmented and broken systems, and of course, tremendous discrimination and stigma surrounding mental illness per se. And so we really wanted to establish a court that would identify and intercept individuals that we knew were entering the criminal justice system largely because of unmet treatment in terms of mental illness, needed community mental health systems and 
from receiving care, largely many individuals go untreated, and that's when problems, quite frankly, begin. And the consequences we know, one such consequence is decriminalization. Persons with mental illness and homelessness and a cascading event. And so the court wanted to be a quick responder, set up a very, very quick referral mechanism. We do not have a structured docket. We have a very simple and open referral system. Anybody, family members, community mental health case managers or lawyers, judges, etc. Anybody could make a referral to the mental health court and we will see that individual hopefully the very next day. We spent a lot of time at the Broward County Public Defender's Office, actually the Broward County Public Defender by the name of Howard Stickelstein. Many people know him. He is a highly, highly charismatic and successful has a successful consumer news segment called Help Me Howard. He really was a thought catalyst behind the court, and we did a tremendous amount of outreach and community awareness about the existence of the court and how to make quick referrals, very consumer-friendly referrals to the court, because we really, really believe very strongly that individuals who are ill and need treatment should not be jailed. Does someone need a formal mental health diagnosis by a mental health professional before they can come into your court? You know, that's a great question. They do not. I have. I say, well, I know. She in of herself, my in-court mental health clinician, her name is Janice Brendan. She is a licensed clinical social worker. She was handpicked for this role when we first got funding for a clinician in the mental health court about seven months after it was launched. And she actually does the triage. Really, the courtroom is fascinating. It's it's brilliant to watch. The courtroom actually converts, if you will, into almost a psyche, really a psychiatric, a a humanistic psychiatric triage unit. And uh, Dr. Strauss, you've been in mental health court. I'm impressed. It's a therapeutic court utilizing the principles of therapeutic jurisprudence. We promote dignity the restoration of personhood, and do everything we can to use the authority of the court, serve these individuals who have been so marginalized through stigma and often traumatized through neglect. Do you handle both misdemeanors and felonies? You know, this is only a misdemeanor court. I am a county court judge, so that is my jurisdiction. And I think that when we started the court, it really, for us, were highly individualized. And we really knew and understood the population that we were targeting. And we really want to mitigate and break, if you will, that revolving door cycle. People that were going from homelessness to emergency rooms, to jails, back to the streets, back to jail, back to hospitals. This wasteful cycle of resources on the one hand and then human suffering on the other hand, that is really what we wanted to intervene with and eliminate. Does someone have to plead guilty in court and then you can modify it if they finish their treatment? You know, that's that's such an excellent question. All of the principles and fidelity of Broward's mental health court, which again was the first mental health court ever in America, is and will always be a human rights court. 
Therefore, absolutely do we not take, nor would we ever think, uh, requiring a plea in order to access what is, again, a human rights strategy. So when you see somebody and you clearly see that there has to be a mental health intervention, I would imagine the next step and the frustrating step is where do you send them? What, what resources do you have versus sending them into the community? We actually have no resources. We are a budget. You know, I think that's one of the great parts of the story of Broward's Mental Health Court is here's a community that desperately, desperately wanted to create change. Yet, they had no funding. They had no grants. They had nothing except they had will. They had the will to do something different and to stand up against the blind criminalization of persons with mental illness. It's that community collaborative. I say it, and I've said it for 17 years, that I know that Broward County, Florida, has the greatest criminal justice mental health collaborative in the entire world. It is led by extreme shared vision that justice is absolutely something that this community wants to prioritize in terms of its population, citizens that need desperately to access treatment and behavioral health care. So I'm very proud, very proud of our community uh, collaborative. This collaboration and the power of community collaboration, I think, is one of the true, the true case studies that Broward stands for. And I would assume, obviously, by extending what you said, that that collaboration also extends to the state prosecutor's office. They have to be in agreement with this, I would assume. Absolutely. Very good point. These stakeholders and these critical stakeholders must be on board. They have to be actively engaged. And we were very lucky in Broward County, this cultural or system change process that occurred required a task force. We had the leadership. We had the participation for years. For years, this diverse mental health, criminal justice task force brought two very, very siloed. And you know what I'm saying, and I know your listeners know what I mean when I talk about silos and stovepipe systems, which don't really, in the past, have never really integrated or worked together. And I think that that task force process, I was not on the task force. I was overseeing a federal class action to deinstitutionalize South Florida State Hospital. I then ran for judge from that post. And this task force, over time, building relationships and the importance of building positive relationships, that's what drives integration and collaboration. That was really, I think, the shining achievement that fuels the success of Broward's Mental Health Court. Do you see people with personality issues, drug issues, psychoses, depression? We see everything. We did not want to limit the issue of disability. So, for example, you know, in Florida, have a very high prevalence, if you will, of older Floridians, individuals that may have Alzheimer's disease or dementia, very, very common. That is not, and I think you'll agree, that has not been included as a mental illness, but as a neurological disorder. And if we were going back, for example, strictly under DSM guidelines, that may not be included in a, in a structured mental health court. We include every 
every kind of neurological or psychiatric disability, including head trauma, including, of course, dementias and individuals with learning disabilities and intellectual challenges. What about kids? I'm an adult court, and there are juvenile mental health courts. There are juvenile, actually, civil dependency mental health courts and all kinds of hybrids now. This model, as I said, the therapeutic model is not a new innovation, although the Huffington Post, the Urban Institute, just posted a very, very positive piece on a new study on mental health courts. That goes to the juvenile level, maybe even more important, I think, on the juvenile level because we know by the evidence how important early intervention is. While I do not do juvenile work, there are many, many judges that use these applications and these fidelities in their juvenile courts. One of the big problems in our society is the notion of the stigma against admitting that someone has a problem. How much do you bump up against, even amongst other people, perhaps other attorneys or other people in your community who look at mental health with a sense of hesitancy, don't want to touch it? How much do you bump up against that? That was one of the primary values and considerations of the court when we started. And that is the court is voluntary and we understand stigma. Believe me, I understand the stigma, the shame, and more important, the discrimination surrounding this illness. And if nothing else, the idea of promoting personhood, the idea of using the court as a tool for health literacy. Two weeks ago, I just presented in St. Louis at the Behavioral Health Leadership College about health activation and the use of peer specialists to help other individuals reduce stigma and promote their own health management. So, yes, this is a huge issue, and everything, as you have seen, I think, when you sat in court, Everything that is said, everything that is done, the continual messaging of hope and that treatment works and that there's absolutely no shame. You wouldn't be ashamed to go to a doctor if you had a heart condition or if you had diabetes or if you had a broken arm. And so there is no shame in going for mental health treatment if you need it. And I think that kind of consistent messaging has been very, very powerful. When I was in court, the whole feeling was more gentle. It wasn't adversarial. And the way that you talked to some of the defendants, you were trying to engage them. We are here to help you help yourself. It, it was, it was. if I can use the word, it was delicious. Oh, I love that word. Thank you. I love that word. And you know something? There is nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, when I first started going around the country through the Department of Justice showcasing this, nobody was standing up against the trend of criminalization in any real way, certainly not by the judiciary. And to be able to have a judge basically say, we love you. We do. We care about you. We are here to help you. People don't know what to make of that. Defendants do not know what to make of that and those kinds of sentiments. And yet we understand that we don't, you're right, I don't have a lot of time 
these cases are highly complicated. We have complications in, in a lack of resources, and people have so many complex medical and social and economic problems. And so the idea of trying to connect and trying to do it in a time-efficient way, I don't really know how else to do that, but to just really try to connect human beings to human beings. There was a lady in the court who said she likes to draw pictures. And mm -hmm. you asked her about it, and she wanted to draw some for you. And that's how she was going to say thank you to you. And there isn't a better gift. There isn't. There isn't. You have no idea. There's artwork right on my bench. And people have brought me, as you said, most delicious things. I mean, they bring me artwork. They bring me poetry. They bring me thank you notes. They've given me their AA or NA. They get their chips. They brought me chips if they're participating, you know, in substance, peer recovery type of thing. It's such a wonderful feeling because that's how you know that your work is working. <laughs> and it's, it, it is. It, it's a great, that's always fun and a wonderful thing to experience. And we thank you for it. And it's so nice to hear that the judicial system is not just about punishment, but truly about rehabilitation and connecting people and making them or helping them find a place at whatever level they can do it. You meet the people where they are. And thank you so much for this opportunity. The Huffington Post does have that recently published piece out by the Atlantic on mental health courts, making the honor roll. There's some great information in that new report that is featuring out of the Atlantic. So I encourage your listeners to check it out. Well, I thank you very, very much as well. Judge Ginger Lerner-Wren is the presiding judge at a mental health court, one of the best in the United States and truly one of the first. Thank you.